Hi, this is Better Red Than Dead, a literature podcast from a left perspective. I'm Megan. I'm Tristan. I'm Katie. And today we are going to be talking about Wheeland, Charles Brockton Brown's 1798 novel about a guy who does like throws his voice and shit gets real <laughs> fucked up and like somebody catches on fire and it's just we're in for it it's a ride <laughs> it's a ride so katie why did you pick this well all i have to say is this book is literally about a guy who gets tricked into killing his family by a ventriloquist doing a prank <laughs> so a fake yes. spaniard that's that's yes. That's re- that is the- that's the plot summary, people. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the plot summary. <laughs> and yes, as Megan said, he is a fake Spaniard, so he is Hilaria Baldwin, the ventriloquist family <laughs> annihilation <laughs> precipitator. <laughs> it's really quite something. But yeah, all that shit, like what's behind your ear? It's a quarter. Oh, don't shake my hand. It's a buzzer. Whoopee cushion sitting. I've confused magic and pranks, but that's okay. Illusions are dangerous is <laughs> the point here. Yeah. yeah. And I love a lot of things about this book. Um, I think this book and you are like merged to get this is like the most Katie book I can almost think of. <laughs> it really <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. It's for goths. It has <laughs> A, a lady who gets too horny. It has weird magic deaths. It has um, <laughs> this like Jamoke who does close up magic. Lo- like a lot of lot of lot of lot of belt buckle hat wearing religious nonsense. Oh, yeah. here too. So like, they put that belt buckle hat on backwards and went to town. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot to love about this book. There's some serious shit to love, like the sensation stuff and the religion stuff that's in it, and the questions about evidence. But it's also just mostly I like it because it's so damn weird. There, yeah, there's a guy who dies of spontaneous human combustion, pretty much. Um, for real. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. that's a fact about this book. I don't think there is an annotated version of this, but someone who works in early American, please propose one and have an extended appendix about the history of human combustion. <laughs> I will pay you twenty four dollars and twelve cents. Yeah. Well, th- th- there's the Norton, but it's not. It doesn't have the like Oxford level of annotations that I really want for this crazy shit. You know. <laughs> Fail. Want everything. Want everything. Um, so I am going to cheat a little bit in this part today because one of the reasons to read this is, in fact, the backstory that gets told in the novel about the elder Wheeland. So uh, the elder Wheeland is the dad. You know, yeah. elder Wheeland is my father. Call me Wheeland. Um, <laughs> and so elder Wheeland gets very religious by reading this Camisard tract and then the Bible. <laughs> Which was a mistake because you have to do it in the opposite order if you don't want to get all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. So so this guy, he becomes a solo religious nut and he belongs to no sect, but he hears the voice of God and he builds himself a temple, which is a great sign that things are going to be super normal. Totally normal. Going forward. Yeah, so um, God keeps telling him, you can hear him, keeps telling him to do a mission. And he's kind of upset about it. And he's like, God, are you going to say psych now? Like, what's the deal? I I did read the Bible later. But no, God never says JK. And 
he finds out that this duty that God wanted him to do (laughs) is getting transferred to somebody else. But here's the good part of this. This is the good part of this. Okay. So he doesn't get out of this scot-free, even though he's trans. He's done the duty-free. He's the duty-free store. (laughs) So there's this – this is how he he dies, okay? There's a cloud that is impregnated with light. And then the family – his family comes upon his corpse naked, in ashes, (laughs) all fucked up. (laughs) And he smells like such shit that it clears the room. <laughs> there was something in his manner that indicated an imperfect tale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll say. The, the, good, the good part of this also is that the way everyone reacts to this is the mom. So she gets surprised to death that the dad has right. exploded into flames. Yeah. But then, yeah. then the narrator of the novel says, that was sort of fine with us. We liked our aunt better anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I will also say, getting surprised to death is uh, that—that's a real danger in gothic fiction. Like that's—that's that's a thing in eighteenth and nineteenth century novels. <laughs> yeah, there was some stuff at the end of this, and I was like, oh god, Wheelan himself is going to die of guilt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> die of feelings. Yeah, <laughs> yep. dying of feelings is a very like gothic. Yeah, trope. It certainly is. But I'll just—I'm going to close with this. There are two other remarkable things about this book. One is that it features the most irritating friend group of all fucking time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't you can't beat these guys. And there's a brother and sister that live on his and hers adjoining <laughs> estates. Yeah. Like the love toilet thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, as Megan, as Megan has said incest is the theme of the american novel but yeah uh, yeah. sorry kids i also say like you know i mean hey i'm not here to defend hilaria baldwin at all that's (laughs) hilarious uh but uh you know sean connery in highlander is kind of a fake spaniard 30 years beforehand remember it's like everyone Mm. in that movie is supposed to be scottish except the scottish actor is like ah i am a spaniard <laughs> what a casting choice. Yeah. What uh, there are choices, you know, like also you just can't cast Scots as anything other than Scots because they can't iron that accent out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't, you know, don't put David Tennant in anything. Just don't. <laughs> I'm kidding, he's great. Uh he great. so I read this probably 10 years ago and I absolutely do not remember it being this horny. Um yeah. I was a different person i suppose and i have this new theory about the gothic novel that comes directly from this book which is that a lady gets so horny that people die and that's the gothic (laughs) novel like that's all you need to know wait did you is your phd in 18th century literature it is sure not because i think you figured out the genre (laughs) a comprehensive theory of the gothic after having figured out that the 18th century picaresque is just feckless boob goes on a trip (laughs) i am proud to announce that the gothic is just girl gets so horny people die yep it is Um, can be deadly other people not her and she doesn't even have to kill them it's just that the novel has just this like enormous energy and it has to have this outlet somewhere and according to book logic people have to die 
Um, <laughs> I take as evidence for this point the fact that our narrator, Clara, keeps like passing out, going into a fit, or swooning, which are all gothic heroin code for two turned on to live. Um, <laughs> she just has to take a break from life because yeah. she's so turned on. Yeah. <laughs> I also enjoy that this book explores the spookiness of clowns. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. There, you know, this dad is hanging out in his like weird worship palace and like is suddenly struck down by a scary clown. And then later on, there's like a surprise clown that shows up to the heroine. Um, Oh, did I say clowns? Because I meant clouds. (laughs) You know, terrifying clouds. That is everybody's phobia. It does use the word clown, though, to refer to Carwin, which it's fine because it doesn't 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 mean, mean, you know, like it doesn't mean the fucking like John Wayne Casey clown. But no, it does, though, when you picture it because that's from It kind of does. It does. No, no, but it's it's just, it's hilarious because it's like, it's like a 14th century word for like a rustic or whatever. And it's just like, dude, you are a fucking American. (laughs) Like, what are you, like, where is this medieval vocabulary about Philadelphia? coming from you know <laughs> well i still think the scariest thing is clouds yeah and well clouds are terrifying yeah, yeah. that oh you got cumulus nimbus that's yeah. a real scary one yeah. one's filled with light the uh, it's not the light of jesus because it kills a guy yeah it's just it's just Tor- tornadoes or clouds you know of a kind yeah. terrifying yeah i also i don't know katie if you'll talk about this but i like a book that has footnotes Classic hallmark of a great novel where you need extra homework. And in this, you're going to want a little tangent about how lots of people can imitate human voices, animal voices, and do all kinds of other weird police academy voice work. It's like very cool. You can do accents. (laughs) You can do it all. And everyone will believe that it is literally the voice of the woman that you're in love with. Yes. Yeah, I mean, just, I, I mean, well, but it, Americans are the biggest marks and rubes on the planet. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I could, I mean, yeah. honestly, like, are we that yeah. surprised that this shit works on the, the wheel and family? Yeah, I mean, She's the gothic heroine, though. She's supposed to be the smartsy guy. Who's, yeah. Like, just too yeah. horny to live. She's not the first person to get tricked by a ventriloquist, and she won't be the last. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. A biloquist? Yeah, yeah, Bellic- yeah. I love I, the, the the sequel that's that CBB never finished. Carwin the Billiquist, which is what a name for a novel, man. You know? Yeah, dude. yeah, amazing. Why? Oh man. So why did I want to read this? So I mean. You guys know one of the few perks about being from Delaware is that I have some credible claims on being both Maryland guy or at least the Eastern Shore, which is you know that's that. What a what a thing to love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I should make us read Chesapeake sometime, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and a Philly guy, I can kind of claim to sort of be both of those things. Um, and I do have legit family roots in Philly. I am thus extremely into the fact that CBB is a Philly guy um, and of the OG kind. Yeah. Like, it's a goddamn Quaker, like fucking yes. Billy Penn. You know? Yes. <laughs> yep. 
And he's writing about the Pennsylvania Dutch or Pennsylvania Germans, if you want to be all technical about it, um, which I, just a slight digression. I do love that Pennsylvania Dutch comes from the fact that where these German people in the 18th century said they were Deutsch or Deutsch uh, and 18th century Pennsylvanians in really an early act of American yokelry were like, oh, shucks, guess you fellas are Dutch. Where's your windmills and marijuana at? <laughs> Deutschland. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Anyway, Scrapple is 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 bomb. Shoe fly pie is revolting. Um, It's not. It's like an unacceptable pie filling. That's its problem. Yes, molasses pie. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Should have canned more shit, Grandma. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly and, and but scrapple is great you should you should try it if you haven't um but don't uh, find actually, out about it before you do i have some no don't do that i have something like don't find out about what's in sausage before you eat that either you no, know but don't don't look into it <laughs> but uh but no for real uh katie has been telling me how amazing wheel it is for a long ass time and and i did love it i love that like you guys it leans hard into the magicians are terrible theme and also <laughs> ventriloquists are terrible which is just correct I mean, that's true. Uh, <laughs> I am extremely stoked that it has spontaneous human combustion in it. Uh, <laughs> I I was also very into reading because I'm, I, you know, I am a, a fan of famous 1790s English radical William Godwin. We'll be reading Caleb Williams next season. And Brown was super into both Godwin and Caleb Williams specifically, Uh-oh. which is, is great. You can and, tell. Yeah, like this is, yeah, actually, Hillary Strang, who was on the podcast a few seasons ago, uh, was telling me that she almost wanted to write a transatlantic dissertation on the Godwinian novel so she could write about Charles Brockton Brown. <laughs> so, like, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> no, I, I would it's, fucking it's read a good that. Idea. Yeah, yeah, that sounds sure. amazing. Somebody write that book. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I mean, Godwin has a ton to say about the law and and how institutional structures are monstrous tools of oppression, which, you know, we're, we're here for. I'm really not sure how Wheelid lines up with that, but I think it is really trying to raise good questions about, you know, as Katie said, evidence, you know, what the truth is in that kind of legal sense. And there's definitely some low-key interest here in sibling incest, as we've established. Um, and, you know, again, Megan's thesis, that is the key to the American novel. Yeah. So this will be fun. Never been disproven thus far. (laughs) So today we're talking about the Gothic, the sort of transcontinental questions here. So like the US and Europe and the British Isles, religion, inherited religiosity or madness. And the last chapter, which is mystifying. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know. It is genuinely like I have never seen these people before. Why are they doing this book? Um, (laughs) I love I love when a novelist introduces new characters three pages from the end. (laughs) Which is, which is, well, Katie, as you'll show us too, uh, that's very interesting because the whole spontaneous combustion thing, which you think that's an important thing, just kind of dropped. We don't, we don't get much on that. But that's another gothic novel hallmark, isn't it? The Castle of Otranto is like, I don't think we really need to tie that up. They explain fucking everything in that shit, and it's tedious as hell. <laughs> well, they do, except the one thing uh, that, that Walpole does not unravel is that Grandpa walks out of the painting and then just disappears right. <laughs> into the ether. That's what I was thinking of, is like <laughs> that particular like mishap just gets yeah. walks away. So, Katie, give us a summary. Tell I'll us about try. Clara. We love her. I'll try. We love her. So... Clara Wheeland is writing this novel. It's a letter. It's, a, it's epistolary. It's a letter to her friends about her sad-ass family. 
And the setting is beside the Schuylkill River, uh, but not the stinky part, the nice part <laughs> that you mentioned. And it's sometime between the French and Indian War and the Revolutionary War. So it's like 1750s or 60s. So anyway, as I mentioned, we're going to pick up with the most fucking annoying friend group of all time. This is Clara Wheeland, her brother, Wheeland Wheeland. No, that's not really his name. <laughs> that's what we call him, though. Yeah. Uh, their childhood buddy, Playel, and his sister, Catherine, who becomes Mrs. Wheeland. And they and all Louisa. love... Uh, oh, Louisa. Well, well Louis- do we need to talk about Louise? Maybe we'll see. <laughs> Did you forget about poor Louisa in the basement? Sleeping her out. It's fine. That's fine. There's a, there's another person there. She's the Mary away. Bennett of this novel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. This is so. This is incredibly difficult to summarize. <laughs> like- there's five of anything. One of them is pointless. Yeah. Yeah, and it's true. It is true because. Truly, like the the big thing is that this is their four way BFF necklace right. combo. Yeah. yeah, like really. And as we said, our heroine Clara, she loves hanging out with her brother, who never laughs, <laughs> and who thinks that a bust of Cicero is a good way to decorate things. Yep. Uh, and they love to hang out in the temple that their dad got barbecued in and have debates about shit. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay, so are we thinking, are we thinking this is like Maniunk? Is that is that where this is? Like, yeah, we're in we're in we're getting we're in like Concha. Oh, I don't know. We're close to Con- we're in like Concha Hawking or some shit. Right, right. We're seventy six curves. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are you guys making up fake Indian words to fuck with me right now? All no, real. no, no. You want to know what Balakinwood is spelled? <laughs> well, Balakinwood is a Welsh word that we we in the Delaware Valley refuse to pronounce correctly. But. <laughs> yes. but but these are all very real. Yeah. They're very real. Google is real. That's how really I say it. Anyway, okay, so things get weird now. And this group keeps hearing this disembodied voice that gives them helpful information. So it's like, don't step there. Don't go there. Your fiance is dead. I'll get to it. But it's giving them a lot of helpful information. And this gets them, this is like the setup. This gets them thinking about the dad. And so Wheeland is thinking, like, he's like, this is, this voice is for sure supernatural. It definitely is. It wasn't fake. And Clara's like, how do you know? how do you know that he's like there's 20 reasons why and she's like okay well like name one of them and he's like yeah i'll get back to you nothing that's wheeland so then what happens is this fucking clown just uh, carwin shows up out of nowhere and demands a glass of milk (laughs) again cloud here meaning just rustic except i this also guy. think he's like a fucking clown you know like yes. I mean, that's because he's a ventriloquist you know like that Eddie. he's a ventriloquist and his <laughs> clara is so impressed by the sound of his voice that she cries about it yeah. and she can't stop drawing pictures of his face because it's so striking i guess and she does not at this point spontaneously combust so whatever that thematic thing is this book is intending to do doesn't follow through <laughs> she should have yeah that would have been really the way to wrap it up but the you gotta you gotta know about clara is that she's the most not scared person of all time she's never scared yeah. you need to know it but now we get into the plot 
So one night she hears this voice next to her ear that seems like it's coming out of her pillow. And then she hears more stuff and realizes that there are murderers in her closet. But luckily for her, they're explaining very loudly their entire plan and arguing about whether they're going to shoot her or suffocate her. And that she so she escapes, obviously. And her friends are like, I'm your brother. Don't worry. And her other friends are like, maybe it was a dream. And she's like, no, I saw it with my senses. The senses are big here. Yeah. Wheeland also heard a voice in his in the his of the his and hers uh, estates that was like, murder. There's going to be a murder afoot. And so he like runs over and this is where they conclude the voice is definitely helping them out. The voice also is really big into secrets. Like at one point it, the voice kind of gets Clara stuck between a rock and a, like a lattice, like fence type thing (laughs) deal. And (laughs) this is all real. And Playel has to come and save her. And what do you know? She has a giant crush on him. FYI. And the voice sort of seems to support the crush because it tells him <laughs> that his girlfriend, the Baroness von Foppington, has died. <laughs> this is, yeah. She does actually come back, believe it or not. <laughs> she does, yeah. Brown bothers to wrap up this one. I somehow. He's such like, oh, my, my girlfriend in Canada, you haven't met her. He's like, oh, no, she died. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. She was really looking forward to meeting you guys yeah. and being hot in front of you. She's a model. Uh. Here's my picture. Don't mind that it's printed on magazine paper. <laughs> Ignore the Getty images. <laughs> um. So anyway, there's like a lot of commotion going on and people are quite concerned about Clara, including Playel, who is in all this ruckus. He has no time to tell Clara that Carwin is actually Hilary Baldwin and that he thinks that she's in love with him also. And that's why she's drawing his face and not his face is so fucking strange looking. So but anyway, Carwin becomes friendly with Playel and they have a conversation about the voice and Carwin has the funniest theory about it, or which is he's like, yeah, you know, sometimes it really is uh, someone's doing a trick, but other times it's just coming out of a tube, man. It's usually a tube. Like it's usually <laughs> like magic is magnets and it's coming out of a tube. Yeah. And we're like cutting back and forth here, but Clara spends a lot of the time being like, Playel is definitely into me. Like, she is very adamant about it. And they make a plan to meet at the Temple of Spontaneous Combustion that has a bust of Cicero in it at 2 p.m. Or, no, 4 p.m. They meet at 4 p.m. And uh, the guy never shows. He's ghosted her. And she thinks that he might be a literal ghost because she says, I know that he only takes canoes. And maybe he fell out of a boat and that's why he's not here, because he died. Because he did fall out of a boat once, so this is reasonable. <laughs> this is a pattern. <laughs> this is a pattern. But uh, she sadly mopes home and goes to consult the Book of Dad. She has his memoirs. And here's a scream. She hears a scream. And I just want to tell you one thing for sure. She is not scared. No. Okay? She's no, not scared. Not our girl, no. okay maybe she's a little scared but she's not proud of it you know she knows it's wrong to be scared 
most of her friends are guys. Like she just doesn't like hanging out with other girls that much. It's just so much it's a lot drama. Of drama. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Clara is a, every single well, no, all, but a lot of Brown's heroines are like not like other girls. Uh, yeah, but oh no, ruffian in the closet alert. <laughs> And Clara is like, fuck it, I'm opening this door. But one of two things are happening. Either the guy inside is stronger and pulling it, or she's pushing the pull door. (laughs) And then she's like, she's like, okay, dude, I have a tiny knife. So come on out and get it over with. (laughs) And it's Carwin. And he swears to Jeebus not to do anything bad to her, says he can't do anything bad to her. She's thinking, this voice, it's definitely God. OMG, thank you, Lord. You screamed and saved me. That's what God is up to. Uh, you made Carwin give up his plan. I'm safe. But but like, she sees if I like I believe his quote unquote justification in that scene was basically the implication, like, well, I was here to do rape, yep. but now I'm not because you discovered me and and that and yeah it just i you just dodged like, you dodged it how clever of you like what? what he says which we later find out with that he's like well that actually wasn't what i was going to do it i was like wait so <laughs> you were quite <laughs> so that was your <laughs> like, like what yeah. the fuck like why and like and know it like anyway whatever yeah it's it's yeah. Okay. But I mean, this is very gothic too. Like, I mean, this that that sort of like threat of uh of like sexual violence is at the heart of 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 uh, of basically the genre as a whole. Look, Carwin sure. is not very bright, which is going to surprise all of us, given that he's a magician. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yeah. He's he has some impressive skills, though. But yeah. So anyway, there's this very there's a very weird scene, and so she has all this relief. That she's okay. But then she sees Carwin going into Playel's chamber. And then he's acting really weird. And it turns out that... So he confronts her because he heard some weird shit being said between Clara and Carwin. And it sounded like he was listening in on 1-800-DO-ME-NOW phone sex line. (laughs) So Clara is indignant about this, but still horny. So she does what anyone does when they're horny and asks her brother for advice. Uh, her sister-in-law is too sick to hear anything scary, so she can't tell her. And Whelan says, sister, I would have to see and hear you doing reverse cowgirl to believe you were not chased. <laughs> but he also says, like, well, he, like, was just, he, he wasn't deceived. He's justified. He's just mistaken. And this, this is why this book is all about the principle of the matter. So Clara is very upset about this. She thinks that Carwin taught a trollop to imitate her voice. So she goes to visit Playel to tell him exactly how little she knows about boning. and <laughs> But she gets sick on the way. And in Philadelphia, she has to let Gritty take care of her for a bit. And he sees her when she's recovering. <laughs> she faints a lot as she tries to defend herself. And we also find out that Playel loves her. And you know this because he has written down every particular of her conduct because she's so virtuous. People have to know. <laughs> yeah. Because she keeps getting so horny that she just passes right out. Yep. 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 Oh, I've been writing down everything that you do. Like, that's great, weirdo. Like, I mean, Jesus. Thank you so much for saving yeah. my honor. 
<laughs> the other I passed thing, out because yeah. it was so creepy. <laughs> and, and Megan, I think you go. Yes, I think this goes with your diagnosis of the genre, the gothic. Another important thing to remember is that you're reading a gothic novel. Literally, everyone is a huge pervert. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, like, good yes. point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> the the reader, most of all. Yeah, yeah, very much. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. So it turns out that Plale's a weirdo sort of like in a lot of ways because we get a chapter that begins with him talking, which is it only happens twice in the book. And he says that he became obsessed with unveiling the designs and character of Corwin. And he tells a giant story about it and about lurking outside of her window. But they, they kind of part and he still thinks she said all the dirty stuff. And she sad and faints. Uh, and then Clara gets a letter from Carwin being like, could we meet up? We could be cool and I can explain everything. You just have to meet me alone and not tell anyone where you're going. That's all. <laughs> Wouldn't look weird to anyone. No. But no. she's like, yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. So she decides to go and bring her tiny ass knife that she whips out in any scene of danger. Just her small, small knife. But she's on the way and she hears this voice saying, hold, hold. And she finds the dead body of her sister-in-law. And she's like, Wieland is going to be so fucking sad. And she finds him and he looks super stoked. And (laughs) she's like, what? And they're talking and he's like getting closer and closer to her and looking a little crazier and crazier. So what she thinks is that he knows his wife is dead and has destroyed his reason. But then, like, people start showing up. Like, a lot of people start showing up and we get some hustling away. And Clara really wants to take the kids because Wieland has lost his mind and their mom is dead. But the guy who seems to be, like, he's running the show, Mr. Hallett, won't give her a straight answer about anything. And she asks if the kids are safe. And he says they're well. They're perfectly safe. And because she's so smart, she immediately guesses that what happened was she says, you, you, you're saying they're safe because they're dead out of reach of being harmed. And he's like, yes, he spared not one. Yeah, so, um, oh, and- damn it, you, you solved my riddle. I'm sorry. He was like. I'm sorry, you're like, yeah, Mr. Hallett. Yeah, that guy, right? Like, yeah, why not? Yeah, right. like, why? Yep. <laughs> yep. Katie, I did you up. forget that he killed Louisa? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you immediately left out of this entire summary. <laughs> if I was leaving her out, I was leaving her out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> well, now I'm really curious how you're going to explain up. that last chapter because Louise's story comes back for some reason anyway. Okay, it barely matters. It makes <laughs> just as little sense. <laughs> no, you're, no, you're, you're right. Now. You're right. You're, you're 100% anybody wants right. to yeah. describe the minor character. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. whose dad shows up out of nowhere but th- that's actually a thing about charles brockton brown i i was taught ormond in uh, as an undergrad and this kid who like never said anything in class just raised his hand and he goes every single character in this book comes out of nowhere and the professor's like that's the best comment i think we're gonna get this semester yes, yes. it's a it's like a it's just randos just walking yeah. in and out yeah it's yep Yep. It's a play written by a middle schooler where it's like, have we seen this guy? No, I just wrote him and now he's he's here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's under motivated. Yes. Yeah. It's under motivated. Yeah. It's under motivated is right. Um, there's so much, there is so much more. Uh, this is why I left her for the fuck out. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, Clara wants to see the mangled bodies of the children. And this is like a very upsetting part. And she wants to see her favorite niece, and she's unable to give her a final kiss because Wieland hit her so hard that her entire face is gone. Yeah. This is not a liniment remained. Like, everything, like, he, he like, destroyed her face. It's Louisa um, whose face is destroyed. That was Louisa? I'm pretty it, sure. I honestly, wait a minute. I honestly don't know because, like, we were not given nearly enough to imagine these characters in any way. You know? So, like, I don't know. Maybe it's only- I'm going to be mad at myself if it is. But, I mean, I think the important thing is, like, he just... I mean, we went into, like... We went from fucking, like, suspense genre into, like, fucking, like, slasher horror. Yeah, Is, like, sure. what happened. Which, and, and that, again, like, that is another thing of the... Go- like, that the gothic really? really does sort of span all of that. You can go real saw real quick with an gothic novel you know but and there's a clown there's a clown yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's the clown everywhere so okay here we go so his narrative right clara's mother's brother comes to town and it's kind of a bad time for the uncle to visit but clara wants to talk to him about wheeland and she says that carwin is the author of all his misery and the Uncle says, yes, he's an instrument of Carwin's plot. And she finds out that Wheeland is in a dungeon with chains and not the sex kind, the other kind. And he's given a full confession, (laughs) which is recorded. She reads a lot of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, Megan showing us the page. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, it was Louise. No, wait. It's the last page of chapter 17. The This is like an actual intriguing thing to me because she hugs all the babes the kids and then she's like let me see louisa and they're like no 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 and she's like i gotta oh my god that's right that's right that's right fuck you're told yes yes it was yeah fucking christ it's louisa shit it wasn't the little kid yeah so there, I shouldn't have left yeah. her out of the summary. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Like there's this other character. She was adopted, and her name's Louisa, and she's older than the other kids. <laughs> That's and it, all that know? matters <laughs> is the is that she this terrible slasher the slasher moment where like her yeah. face is battered yeah. in because that's yeah, the yeah, horror, yeah. but it's horror for Clara. Yeah, I, and, and I actually like. I mean, this one, this is hilarious. We're keeping all of this because it's so fucking funny. But like, but the but the other thing is like, I actually think that sort of like the the reason like these names fade away so quick is like, yeah, they're not. These are not characters in any sort of like you know full sense at all. Which I mean is. Is that a feature of the gothic genre that like you just kind of have play you have like functions rather than characters? Like, I mean, I think that's probably part of it, but this feels even like even by those kind of like somewhat superficial standards, this feels weird. Unless you're uh, Northanger Abbey, right? Which is like why that book is so good because it has like characters. Yeah, well, right. Yes. Yeah. Like, what, yeah, when an author who knows what they're doing writes it, you know, it's like, it's good, you know. <laughs> and also finds yes. the genre itself sort of like, yeah. Mm. yes. Yeah, she dunks on the genre. That has right. a great ending, um, yeah. which I will not ruin. But anyway, uncle's in town. Uncle, there's an uncle now. There was a dad, now there's an <laughs> uncle. <laughs> and Wheeland has a confession narrative that she reads. And 
it's interesting for a lot of reasons, and I'll get to him in the context a little bit, but he says he says shit like God is the object of my supreme passion. I have the blissful privilege of direct communication with God. I can hear his voice and it's fine that I did this. I could never rebel against this this command from the, the Lord. This was a good idea. I have no regrets. Um, but he doesn't want to do it. But God says, in proof of thy faith, render me thy wife. And him not wanting to do it is the correct instinct for actually several reasons. It's yeah. sad, but he's a comically bad murderer. Like, a lot of the time. So he goes to kill her, and he announces that he's going to murder her, which is not necessary at <laughs> all. And then he strangles her, but can't quite do it. So he says that three times he, like, let go a little, and her eyes popped out and shit. Yeah. Uh, That's gruesome. Yeah. yeah. It is unclear why he didn't do literally anything else. Yeah. Like, Michael Scott-ass murder. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, well, I was actually thinking it's like, he, Wayland could be a character in the Book of Mormon musical, right? Like, I mean, that, yes. that he's that, like, he's the, he's like, he's following God's plan to do, you know, his God's, <laughs> God's injunction, like, did this fucking, like, Abrahamic kind of, like, you know, the, the shit, except, like, he's not, I mean, like, he, he, it, yeah, he's a Michael Scott-ass, like, murderer, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it's the trappings of some sort of biblical injunction but like filled by this absolute useless buffoon you know yeah it sucks when you mix up god and the joker i'll tell you that (laughs) you know that's that's the main deal um and clara stopped reading at this point because we don't need to hear the end of it but the uncle's like don't you want to come to europe with me wouldn't it be fun to go to europe with me yeah yeah, sure. Let's go to Europe. Why not? How yeah. many pages of this novel do we have left? Let's do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get on a boat. Sure. Are you tired of writing yet? Because she's already said that she's like, my hand hurts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll never write anything again. But she wants to see Wheeland. And there's this whole exchange that's like, well, if you see him, uh, what if you make him crazier? And she's like, I won't make him crazier. He'll see me and he'll be so relieved he's like well that's actually worse because if you make him sane he'll know what he did and that's horrible you can't do that to him so claire is again like please let me look at him can i get a look and we learn that the real reason that she can't go see him and that he wants her to go to europe so bad is that whelan keeps escaping and trying to kill her and he like got into her fucking house Yeah. And he looks like shit. So he keeps trying to he so. keeps doing a Ted Bundy and like come home to kill his sister. <laughs> also, I cannot stress enough, Katie, you're about to get there. This is all a ventriloquist prank <laughs> that caused this. He is murdering his entire family because of a fucking ventriloquist. Because a magician. <laughs> He's an unstoppable murderer who can get out of a deep dungeon in chains. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah police academy voice work why don't more people do early american (laughs) that's a fair question (laughs) sincerely (laughs) oh god okay so we're almost near the end and we find out that playel's girlfriend Teresa Distilberg, I think is her name. She's alive and faked her own death so that she could yeah. escape to America and see him. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's a normal thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend in Canada who faked her own death. Yeah. Her own death. Yeah. Yeah, that's better. But Clara is like, I don't give a fuck anymore. She's considering killing herself until Carwin shows up to give a confession. He says, like, sorry, not sorry. I didn't do anything. He says, I didn't make anybody kill anybody or, or ask anybody to do that. I didn't kill anyone. But I am a ventriloquist. <laughs> I use the power of biliquism or ventrilocution. And, and up until this point, he's been, like, doing scams and shit. And... He gave that life up after betraying a friend. And now he says, like, my main thing I do is walk around. Walking is the thing I do. And he was walking around <laughs> around Philly and looking at the temple and <laughs> admiring it and wanting to be alone. And then Wheland catches him no- noodling around. And even though Carwin swore he was out of the ventriloquism <laughs> game for good this time. Yeah. He stops him by doing ventriloquism. And this sets off an addiction, kind of. Yeah. 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 It's a gateway ventriloquism. And he's aided and abetted by the servant Judith, who also I didn't mention. Yeah, she's, yeah, but, there's, yeah, Judith. Because she servant. barely appears until yeah. this moment. Yeah. Yes. She, yeah. She got him water when, when he asked for milk or something or gave him a cup, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but this is so weird. So she's semi-evil. Carwin is into her. And this is like the most insane part of an insane book. Judith is bragging about how brave Clara is in like this very my dad could fucking kick your dad's ass kind of way. And so Carwin decides he's going to do an experiment. And Judith is along for the ride due to horniness. So it turns out that the whole murdery murder thing. Well, that was, uh, they were in the closet. And it was a, what they were, they were going to do this whole thing. I won't even get into it, but it didn't, it didn't work. And uh, she found them, you know, and, um, <laughs> and he, yeah. So, so he's definitely stalking the shit out of her. Dude, guys, go guys, I can't yeah. believe we none of us have made this joke yet. This is a fucking it's always sunny version of the gothic, right? Like, can't yeah, you see yeah. like Frank showing us like, yeah, this is my friend Carwin. <laughs> He's a ventriloquist. And, 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 and then it's like, oh, you can't trust those people, Frank. That's I, you know, he's not allowed in the bar. And then, yeah, like Charlie does murder because he's being you know, <laughs> Because he thinks it's a real You're so right. (laughs) The one where Whelan kills his family. (laughs) Oh my god, it is. It actually is. Sibling incest. The implication. (laughs) Yep. So, okay, where the fuck were we? Who knows? Okay, so Carwin, he's hella stalking Clara. And he says, but I'm only guilty of the crime of curiosity. Which isn't a crime, so logic. And <laughs> yeah, it's being stocky. And he says that when Clara caught him, he he decided to make a pretend confession of because he thought that telling people he was a rapist was better than telling them he was a ventriloquist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I mean yes, and that is that is. Yeah, yeah, no, not yes, and an alpist. Yeah, right. No, that's true. That that is that is actually what the novel directly says. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You'd rather admit to being. Yeah. Yeah. God. But anyway, he like lets her think that it's God 
that has ruined his dastardly plans and she's safe. And he said he did it for the sake of creating a mysterious dread. So he was simply trying to curate the vibe and it went (laughs) very wrong. He's super guilty about this and says he rashly set in motion a machine he had no control over. But someone's ears were burning because Whelan's here. And he's really happy. (laughs) He's all smiles because he's doing more God murders. And Clara tells him before he, you know, gets to do anything. The the voices. It was this guy. Uh, Not all the voices, but some of the voices. And you've been deceived, brother. And Wieland falls apart and tells Carbon to get the fuck out of there. But he also says he's pure from all stain because it wasn't his judgment, but his senses that deceived him. And then he says, okay, Glara, I'm going to kill you in three minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> like literally three minutes. He takes out his pocket watch and says, get right with God. You have three minutes. And in that three minutes, she gets tiny knife ready. And then Carwin sneaks in and does the God voice and says, it was thine senses. You fucked up. <laughs> and then Wieland kills himself with tiny knife. Right in the neck. <laughs> right in the neck. I'm telling neck. you, just throw in some jokes. This is a fuck eat. It's always Saudi episode. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Like, throw <laughs> in yeah, some no, yeah, jokes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's three years later for some reason now. Just okay. Clara's in Europe and she narrates this weird dream she had. Who cares? Um, and she's super bitchy that Playel's married to his <laughs> she calls his wife the Baroness Fra Franca Fru the Saxon woman. And she still loves him. And they start exchanging letters after her uncle sets up a cute little date with Carwin and Playel, who explains that she's not actually talking real dirty. But then, you know, his wife conveniently dies and Clara says, I love you. It's normal for me to tell you that because we're just friends now. We, we're not dating. Just I love yeah. you, though. In a friend way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> friend way. But also in the not friend right. way. Let's get married. So how, how does Carwin end up? Uh, he sad. He's sad. Uh, he saw too late the danger of imposture. And at the end... He is speculated to be a farmer in Pennsylvania. <laughs> That's where he ends up. And doing okay. agriculture. So- she says it's so funny. She's like the the thrilling work of agriculture. Like there's some really wonderful line there. Yeah. The thrilling work of agriculture. I think, okay, I, I think I think he I think he opened up a Wawa out, <laughs> out near Reading. <laughs> 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 yep he's 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 still there working on the railroad um jesus christ but anyway okay so this is this is louise's dad who gets cucked by a guy named maxwell <laughs> whose wife is friends with the mrs <laughs> mrs mrs conway's dad <laughs> and louise conway's mom and dad they die because of maxwell and this is like Wheeland. Because if they hadn't been butthurt, <laughs> and if Wheeland had been a little more, a little stronger, not so much human weakness there, my friends, from not scared lady herself, says, if you all were as not scared as me, everyone would still be alive. Yeah. Yeah. The end somehow, also. <laughs> so that, that was, 
If you want to say anything else about the last yeah, chapter, I mean, I, fucking I, Christ, yeah. it just. We, I think we might have something to say about it, just in like what you know, because it, you can I don't think you can write a gothic novel in the 1790s in the United States without like it's European history, mm. like. So, I mean, I do think that reversion to Europe is, and, and also like the role that Europe plays, I think we can definitely think about, I just do want to say that like, I mean, so like, all right, a lot of goofiness here, but like, I do think the one thing that I do think is like kind of an interesting sort of epistemological question that it raises does have to do with that, uh, like where the truth exists in relation to the senses, right? Like that, that you can, that like, because, you know, I mean, we talked a lot on this show about like, you know, the, the big enlightenment idea of empiricism that like all knowledge comes via the senses and like here we have the question it's like okay but like what if that information is like wholly untrustworthy what mm -hmm. happens then we have this other question where like because you know like um even clara like weirdly says that like wheeland was right because he was acting on because of like what he thought he really was, uh, did was, hear it right like yeah, it's not just in his head yeah, yeah. right and, and and so like there so that postulates this other idea of like the truth that is like very dependent on the information that you're receiving from without which is i think interesting and I will say just to, you know, I mean, I, I can't, I cannot yet like make any, any like good connections with William Godwin. I think when we do, when we do Caleb Williams, we, we might revisit this, but I, I would just say that like in Caleb Williams, like the protagonist Caleb Williams is like, he becomes obsessed with unraveling like the, uh, the past history of like this guy that he works for, uh, like he, he figures out that this guy did a murder and like that, that basically ends up just like kind of destroying his life. Like, and, and, and so, and, and so like the, this idea that like, yeah. The, like evidentiary truth actually doesn't necessarily lead to any kind of productive hmm. outcome, I think is also another idea that is maybe here, you know? Yes. I got distracted for a minute thinking about how Caleb Williams is like a victim of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. Yes, no, 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 yeah, that's great. Right. But that like, yes, and that and I think that that like obsessive search for like a like truth in the legal sense very much becomes in that novel, like part of how like oppressive governmental structures work, which I don't think we see here. But I think we do see some kind of like philosophical strains that might sort of connect to those kinds of ideas. Yeah, like there's this late Enlightenment, Scottish Enlightenment thing, which basically Scottish Enlightenment, the common sense school is like, what if the Enlightenment included your feelings? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's a huge, so this this idea about somebody who hears, believes, and repeats or acts was a major concern. Benjamin Rush was very engaged, uh, the Philadelphia Dr. Benjamin Rush was engaged with these ideas and that was his huge concern mm. he's like what do we do with these people yeah. you can't you can't have this so it's right yeah. and i know and i mean i think that that like uh the yeah rush and, and sort of medicine is is particularly interesting because yeah i mean that like you know what would eventually become some sort of modern understanding of like how the brain and the mind relate to each other like that's that's in the very early stages in this period but yeah i mean they're and and i think they're opening up a lot of questions that are actually i mean like it, in some ways they look kind of ridiculous to us now but like if you don't really have a sense of what that relationship is like mind brain and like then that actually yeah that is kind of like an unsettling idea yeah and and rush was big in the quote-unquote lunatic asylum world like yeah, very yeah this was yeah. this was his thing jesus jesus h <laughs> what a book <laughs> it's so good yeah that's the yeah. real plot i made none of that up um so what's the context okay here's some context this is based on a true story 
Probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is based on a, I think, so there's some argument about what murder it might be based on that happened when Charles Brockton Brown was either six or seven. I think that it was based on this this murder that happened in 1783. So I'm going to tell you about it <laughs> right now. It was it was more, it was much more widely read about than the other murder. And Karen Haltunen, who's a historian who wrote the book Murder Most Foul and a lot of other really good books, is really interested in this case, the Beetle family murder, as the first horror account of murder. Mm-hmm. So Megan, you were talking about like this like slasher moment we have, right? Like that's that's right. It's mm-hmm. it's it is the horror, but. Beetle was a merchant and he sort of bounced around a bunch. He spent some time in Barbados and he kind of sell, he was selling shit, uh, went to Connecticut, opened his store, did pretty well. But he, his, he was accepting continental currency. And there's so much weird shit about money in the, in this era. We could talk about it for 52 years, but uh, it's totally sank him. Um, And he was still trying to keep up. Like he was still trying to convince his neighbors he was rich. And he was also spending a lot of time reading these deist tracks. And he got, he was like, there's no hell. There's no hell. Uh, I found the loophole. No hell. <laughs> so you're telling me yeah. he's a libertarian. <laughs> yes. 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 Whoops. I ran uh, out of money. I better kill some people. Because yeah. there's nothing telling me not to kill people. No. He also logic dorked his way. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, right. I mean, that... The the deists are kind of the 18th century new atheists. You know, they're like, they're like, <gasps> yep. like you're like, on record like, saying that people are going to yell at you now. No, I know, but I mean, <laughs> Sam, like Sam Harris, like in 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 1750, would have totally been like the watchmaker god. Like you, yeah, yes, I. Doesn't, and also how so many ideas were fucking imperialist scumbags, so that fits too. You yeah, know? I was like, going to say like, and they hated Muslims yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, So anyway, this is tough, too. He thought that the best thing that he could do, because there's no hell, was to kill his family because, again, there's no hell. So what's the harm? They'll be in a better place. It's a thing that family annihilators say, do say, like, you'll you'll be in a better place. And he, so he, he killed his wife with an axe and slit his children's throats with a carving knife. And then positioned their bodies ritualistically. So look, there are there are some illustrations of this actually that were on the cover of um, of the narrative of this. But he left his wife's head hanging off the bed like he was trying to keep the bedding clean and put a handkerchief over her face. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot going on. And then he then this is the thing that made the story sort of famous in. He stacked the bodies of the children in a row on the floor covered in blankets. And that's like the cover image of the narrative. And people read this thing like crazy. They were totally fascinated by it. Yeah, the popular narrative, it had to be be reprinted twice. And there are a ton of sermons about it and that were never reprinted. Figure that out. But yeah, no, the popular account is like quite lurid. So there's a couple other things too about this Two guys and their then the maid show up to the crime scene. And the two guys make the fucking maid go in first because they are too scared. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Tracks. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like this big account of her horrified reaction and the horrified reaction of the scene. And this is the same. Is this 
very Wieland, like William Beadle was, nobody thought he was going to kill his family. Everybody thought he was a nice guy, a good dad, a good husband, whatever. And then without warning, he just massacres his family. And there's no real explanation for that. Like, yes, you can say he thought there was no hell, deism or whatever, but that's not the conclusion that every broke deist got to. (laughs) No, no, no. So, yeah. But the important thing at this moment is that from like 1750, let's say, I mean, this is all sort of arbitrary a little bit, but there's a huge shift about how murder is viewed and you don't have any sympathy anymore for the murderer. You are just horrified. And in Wheeland, you do, like, he is a monster, but you get some, you get, like, a little bit of the line, like, all of Clara's justifications and stuff. So that's all I have. I'm sorry that I told so many stories about family annihilations. It's it's a topic. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, yeah, the, the hard, hard to talk about this book without, without getting into that. So actually, th- I mean, that does bring up, I think, the question of what religion is doing in this novel, which I find really hard to find. I mean, like, because partially I was like, kind of, th- okay, so is this like sort of a, like a proto Hawthorne that like dealing with America's like, uh, you know, like Puritan past, but that, that, but very kind of intense, like sort of like theological structures and the harm that could come of that. I, but I don't, yeah, I mean, so, but I, if that is the reading, I just, I don't quite know what to do with it. Right. Like in that, um, but in this case, you know, well, I, I guess like the fact that this is all like of a ventriloquist trick, like might show the, just the, the, the fallacy of those kind of like rigid belief structures, but also like, these aren't Puritans like the, it's this is like the, the the religious origins here are like this bizarre like French heresy from the 14th century that the dad gets super into. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I would I would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and uh, he dies and, yeah. like those first couple chapters of the dad. Maybe it's just the first chapter of the dad dying of religious, spiritual, spontaneous combustion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I thought, what Katie, Katie, what you said was interesting there, too, in that, like, he reads the sort of, like, the religious commentary, like the heresy, for before he reads the Bible, and that, like, you're doing it out of order. Yeah. Like, that that might be an interesting kind of clue as to, like, what we're supposed to make of that. I do think there's so much going on here. The one thing is, like, so, Brown, like, Quaker guy. Yeah. So, the whole thing about, so, like, a Quaker meeting, you're not preached to. It's uh, silent. You just sit yeah. there silently until the spirit moves you to speak and the big thing is in quakerism the the inner light mm-hmm. like everybody has the this inner light and so you're supposed to really listen to that that's quite legitimate but i think the problem comes if i'm speculating here it's like wheeland the wheelands are susceptible to influence right. is the thing. So like he reads this camisard thing and he's like that's the basis and i and and for that reason I've never found a sect that totally aligns with my beliefs, so I have no community. Right. Like, they just are always DIYing the Lord. Right. Yeah, but no, that that is interesting, right? The, the idea of, like, it, it, because, like, I think you maybe could map that concept of the, of the inner light onto something like also uh, philosophical rationalism, right? Where like you, there's just this kind of like innate sort of uh, like structure of knowing, uh, like in, 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 in the, the, you know, in the Quaker sense that, you know, something like a structure, an innate structure of like belief and like access to the truth that way. 
but then this is like taking okay but like you know if empiricist accounts of like how the mind works are right that like you don't have any sort of mental life absent the stuff that you're getting in well what happens when like that isn't you know whether that is misleading like and your inner light isn't going to like guide you like there is no in sort of in, in stable interior that's going to kind of protect against that and the tough the tough thing about this too so actually there is um there's ventriloquism in the bible um <laughs> yeah. i i've read True. it but i don't remember so i obviously believe you it's like the witch of i could be missing mixing up the name but the the witch of the witch of something the witch of something uh i want to say endor but i feel like that's like some dragon shit um i don't i don't remember the ventriloquism stuff specifically but like you know the burning bush like god yeah. talks to you from weird places yeah. you know like and god tells you to kill your kids yeah, yeah, god, too by the way god does there's precedent for all of it but like when god speaks it doesn't you know it's like there's not the like <laughs> the dude with the giant white beard from the simpsons cartoon and like it comes from weird places you know and, and yeah i mean if people are getting <laughs> pregnant by birds like really anything yeah. is possible that a bird comes down and it's like you gotta get now <laughs> that's how it works yeah. that's how it works so what i mean i'm trying to put ideas together here that may not be worth combining but like then what is at stake in the distinction between like okay these people are vulnerable to suggestion so then how is like a cloud full of fire and <laughs> a, some dope who's pretending to be Spanish throwing his voice two different kinds of suggestion? Okay, so... Do you see what I mean? I'm not... I know that that sounds a little yes. bit like confusing or maybe I'm confused. No, I think it's a good... I think it's a good question. I think it's... It does matter that the suggestion comes from hearing stuff okay that you're hearing things because it is the most unreliable sense like that's in accounts of faculty psychology it's mm. the most unreliable sense the eyes are what you're supposed to rely on typically like so and there's a lot of other stuff too so i think that the mention of the city is important because Carwin's like you don't know how many people can throw their voice in the city. Yeah. I think it's like the no the novel is trying to navigate like the biggest questions it can, like what happens when you live by a bunch of strangers and one of them might be a sinister ventriloquist, <laughs> and <Sorry>. and <laughs> yeah. and like the hardest religious questions, like what happens if God says to do a bunch of shit that he's told people to do before, but this time it's in your brain and it's prompted by a ventriloquist and family madness. Like, what do you do? And so you're just stuck between – like, there are no – I, I think that Charles Brockton Brown was, like, a dude, and he was just like, these are really hard questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I – and and it's structured in such a way that, like, they can never be answered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I think that's right. Like – Something else I was, and I, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I feel like you know. I mean, such an interloper into, uh, you know, 19th, 18th, 19th century American stuff, and that I keep. Oh, Hawthorne's the key to stuff. But I, I mean, I do think that there is. Katie is not mad at Hawthorne as the key to stuff. Well, no, but I mean, oh, it's yeah. you know, I mean, but I mean, you know, Hawthorne. Like this isn't Boston. This is Philadelphia. <laughs> this isn't boston this is philadelphia i mean i do think the sort of like quaker versus like kind of puritan thing is probably important but i mean i do think that like 
one thing you see in Hawthorne's fiction is this deep fear that the fucked up past is going to come back and bite you in the ass, mm-hmm. like no oh, matter totally. what yeah, you yeah. do. Mm-hmm. And and where I think that that might map to some degree on what what um, what Brown is is exploring here is that the like the Whelan kids are not and when I say the kids I mean I mean um Wheeland and and Clara are not particularly re- like their dad was the religious nut who like you know burst into flames they're not they've converted his temple into this very enlightenment secular like this is where we do yes. music and it's have a us Cicero. like yeah it's a salon it's, absolutely and like yep. it is described that like Whelan was like more kind of like spiritual or whatever but not in any kind of like I'm fucking fire and brimstone type dude and and yet even so like that that like sins of the father idea it's still like I mean it, yeah. with very little prompting it's like oh I heard some shit and suddenly I am like not just religious but like I am going to kill because I got that God told me to do so go on a fucking murderous rampage yeah. so I think that there's actually something really useful in the comparison to Hawthorne, like in in addition to the sins of the father thing, which is that so in Hawthorne, the sign is a meteor that kind of if you squint looks like an A and that A might stand for any number of things. And in this, God says, kill your family, <laughs> do it, do it. So it's like, and again, I have no idea what to do with that, but he should be able to be sure. Like this, sh- there should be no. <laughs> a- there- this is like a situation where there's no ambiguity here, right? Like if you're Wheeland, right? Maybe he right. should be sure that he should know f- for certain that this is the god or whatever telling him to kill them. I mean, it- because he thinks everything he th- he's convinced things have to be supernatural right. and he can't justify it. Yeah, like he's yeah. very attached to that. That's the one thing he won't reason about. Yeah, like that's why. Like when Claire is like, why do you think it's supernatural? And he's like, I don't it know, is. but I know it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like, so then if we, without doing too much biographical stuff, but like take that Charles Barkin Brown has like some degree of Quaker attachments that we might look at here. It's not a problem then that Clara is the narrator operating hornily with no masculine figure to keep her in place, right? Like she doesn't have a dad and she doesn't have a husband. And her boyfriends are idiots, brother. and yeah. her brother is like <laughs> doing murder. But that's not the problem here, right? Like there's not a problem of like there being a lack of an authority. It's strange because there should be, but there's really no problem with Clara governing herself. Right. That's what I find no. sort of interesting is that like the problem with her sort of like navigation of this novel is just that like she's too um too too she's just too turned on all the time which is why she keeps passing <laughs> yeah. out not that yeah. like yes. some guy isn't going to be like okay can you just keep it in your pants and like operate your way through this novel with a little bit more like right with a with a um better head on your shoulders like she does do yeah. sensation stuff even if her conclusions are often wrong yeah yeah, but you're right. Yeah. I like. I don't think there. It does not feel like there's a great investment in this novel and like kind of restoring the the patriarch to the position of authority. I think you're right, Meg. It's like I think that they, you know, it, it act and actually like. I mean, we see like. I mean, 
both in wheeled and like dad wheeled like that like that model looks terrifying i mean that and that is and that is a definitely a, a trope of, of the gothic genre generally is like yeah i mean but like the the the, the fucking the monstrosity of like tyrannical patriarchy but i like i mean i don't like often there is like the kind of the good the hero who's going to put that to right there really isn't he i mean play all doesn't right. fill that role and the you know that we got that weird duel between the assholes at the end of the book and like oh, the, that's right who yeah, the yeah. fuck is yep. the uncle you know so yeah yeah so right i mean so like if that is the problem and i don't i don't think that's the problem that this this version of the goth is, is interested in exploring the solution is not to okay well we've got to find another dad to come in and like put this back to right totally you know? and it doesn't no. like insert into here like a daddy drama that can't be reconciled, right? Like that's one of the things we like so much about Frankenstein is that it takes off from a site of daddy drama that it's like, this is never going to be okay. Right. right? right. And like yeah. no masculine figure is ever going to like read place. Like that's not even available. <laughs> but like- well, the thing is it's, it's very, it's very early national period to be like, I don't need a dad and I don't yeah. want one. Okay. And yeah. I don't, gotta have one either and there's this trifecta that's like liberty obedience authority what do we do what do we do what do we do and the novel's just going around it and so sort of on that idea can i throw in like one last thing to 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 consider briefly before we go to the game which is i don't think we can i think that last so here's my theory of the last chapter um he forgot some plot very smart when you were talking about it earlier (laughs) when you're talking about epistemologies and i was like damn dude explain it because i'm just thinking i just thought charles brockton brown followed the robinson crusoe mode and that he had never read a novel before and was like in the last pages you do something weird and then you send it put it in the mail blah 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 I mean, I think there is the pragmatic explanation, which is that he wrote some plot shit, forgot about it. And it's like, oh, fuck, I got to tie this up. So let's do that. <laughs> he sent but, it to his buddy, his editor. He sent it, it was, to Reader it, 2 and Reader 2 was like, um, like where, yeah, where, where's what? that a weird anecdote at the end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But I mean, I think where I want to think of it, you know, so, and I think that probably is, you know, is is at least partially what happened. I mean, I would not be surprised if that were the case. But I think the other thing is, you know, the kind of like the specter of Europe and particularly the European continent, right? Like, so in the in the British Gothic, bad shit happens across the channel, man. You got spooky German counts who are Catholic and they're going to lock you inside uh, their tower and do weird sex stuff like that, that like that. That is the British Gothic. And Not to mention Italians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or oh, Italian. Yeah. That's yeah, the other yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, God. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it, one or the other. Like, spooky German count or <laughs> spooky Italian count. But, but it, this, it's interesting because it's like it's not the channels, the fucking ocean. But, but like there is like this, yeah, this like pole that Europe has. Like, and on the one hand, it in it it like inserts directly into the sort of American imagination this fucked up religious shit. Like that's one thing that it does. But there's like there's also this pole, but like why the fuck does Clara go back to Europe? Because well, that's just where things resolve. But nothing <laughs> resolves other than there's this violent duel. <laughs> like you know, and it's like well, and know, it's, it's not the thing that her uncle initially proposes which is like you got to get the fuck out of here because your brother is gonna like escape from a dungeon and come and kill you because he's already dead so she doesn't need Mm -hmm. you know whatever that thing is that's been proposed she doesn't have to do that yeah well she she does because of her dream but not you're right though but she does (laughs) because she has a dream about she has a dream and her house catches on fire yeah oh right 
Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and she can't go do the joys of agriculture. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's not so much fun to walk around the his and hers estates when <laughs> him is fucking dead and tried to kill you so many times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And all his kids. Like, that's only important so far as, like, I don't need a dad, right? His being a dad is, like, barely relevant, except that we need a higher body count for this to count as a horror novel. In fact, it's disadvantageous for his kids to have a dad. Uh, it's, <laughs> Sorry. It's better if they had one, yeah. Yeah. And, like the, okay, so the last thing, and I, I don't really have anywhere to go with this, but I just it just was another I thought I had. There is like a radical gothic. There's also a deeply reactionary goth, like like in, in, in Britain. And the reactionary version is all about like, yeah, this like crazy xenophobia about like what the weird things that they do over there in Europe. And like, I mean, I don't like because among other things, like, you know, Brown was like very into like, the, like German literature and stuff, right? Like I mean, he was a translator and things. But like I, I did wonder. It's like it's interesting. Like so, he's you know the Quakers. Like they're the English colonists of of the of that region. But then there are all these Germans throughout the 18th century who are coming in who were like perceived by the English population as these fucking weirdos, you know. And like I, I just wonder if that's not part of the mix as well, too, right? Like that that it matters in some way that that Wieland is like this kind of this Pennsylvania German guy and not part of the English colonial structure i don't and i have no idea i I, but that was just another thought i had yeah well there's like this thing where well that i didn't mention (laughs) along with other things that it's discovered that wieland has inherited land but he doesn't want to go back to germany to claim it because he's concerned about how power corrupts you yeah. It's like power and yeah. and money, they, they in, invariably they will corrupt me, so I, I can't do it. And that is directly out of the British Gothic, that, that, that Europe is the – like we we are like the – you know, we are these uh, like benevolent fucking uh, like uh, constitutional monarchists. And over in Europe, that's where you get these crazy despots and power runs amok. So I mean – it's probably part, but it's just, it's weird that, that it's filtered through like the early United States and like. I was only going to say one more thing because it was like, it's a non sequitur, but I enjoyed it, which is that um, because I don't really know anything about like 18th and 19th century law, I was like, when is the monotonous decision? Because there is a little bit of a reference here to like, well, he was crazy, so he couldn't have. Like, there is the early, oh, yeah, early suggestion yeah. of like what comes before, what we know to be like whatever extenuating circumstances in the monotonous case if it's a you're not going to kill him no right exactly there is like a there is a, a there's some idea here that then gets like taken up later and because he wanted to kill the prime he killed a member of parliament or something mm-hmm. in 1843 right right and he yeah. was like but he was gonna kill me and the court was like you seem like maybe you don't know what you're doing sir so i looked it up on my on my telephone and I was like, oh, McNaught- the McNaughton case. And it sent me to a, you know, wiki or something. But before doing that, it gave me a huge ad for divorce attorneys. Because apparently my <laughs> phone is like, don't look up, don't look up innocent by reason of insanity. Before you do that, consider divorce. <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing please don't don't read anything about how to seem crazy right have you thought about not being married instead that algorithm the algorithm was like no 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 ma'am stop where you are 
lady. That lady. is hilarious and also kind of terrifying. <laughs> kind of terrifying, right? Like, yeah, I don't, anyway. I'm not getting divorced. I have no plans to do that. And yet my phone is yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We know. We think you're, you're fixing your to do a murder, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. You're <laughs> about to do a husband killing, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Better get some, uh, better p- file some paperwork first. Your, your phone knows you're reading Wheeland. I it's think is what concerned. it is, is that my phone was like, did you just read this book? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. I'm not about pleading not guilty by reason of insanity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, let's play a game. I can't wait. No, I have never killed my husband or any of my children. Congratulations. Yeah. That was big yeah. of you. Yeah. Made it through at least the first three rounds of pandemic. <laughs> Uh, how are you going to do in the next six? Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> we hope. Yeah. Um, okay. So today our game is about what else? Ventriloquism. We're going to find out what type of ventriloquist you are. And there is no good. There's no good types. So it's sorry, guys. I apologize for what's about to happen to you. Mortimer Snurd. Nice timely reference. For the kids. <laughs> you know what I'm fucking... <laughs> oh, I've been on the internet so much. Um, looking up ventriloquists. No, I, I was just going to say, uh, my, my uh, well, creepy ventriloquist story is just, when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight, I think it was my grandfather bought me like one of those ventriloquist dummies. I probably saw it like on, and, and like, you know, like saw like a ventriloquist, like, oh, I want to do that. And, you know, they, my family was always very like encouraging my hobbies. Well, I didn't touch it for like 25, 30 years. Don't have just one kid because they, because you are yeah. really prone to encourage them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> That's yeah, <laughs> but uh, but uh, when so my my and my grandmother had you know this this old you know old house with an attic and uh, you know she she died a few years ago and after she died uh, my wife and I were walking through the attic and uh, she walked to the room where this ventriloquist is dumb and she's she's like what the fuck is that <laughs> and, like, and it was my question <laughs> and I was like oh yeah that was mine and when I was eight I didn't realize how deeply creepy it is but here it is sitting on this antique sofa in my grandmother's attic. With with wallpaper peeling off the the, the walls and um yeah <laughs> that's the horror like you don't even need to set anything up for that to yeah. be a horror movie yeah that's exactly. so scary that's yeah. so yeah. scary no it was it was i mean i it was hilarious because i you know i like had some relationship to this object but it was also like yeah, yeah this is fucked up also you know? the moral of the story is don't encourage your children yes, Impor- yes. important yes. important moral for sure no you yeah your D- poor D- wife don't- she is a saint <laughs> she is absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you got another little shout out on the podcast. <laughs> Sin- sinc- sincerely, you are a great person, and you've really been through it. Yeah, I mean, in that yeah. Li- li- living, living with my insanity is not an easy task. <laughs> That's a terrible way to find out that uh, you're married to a ventriloquist. <laughs> this is the worst way. Yeah. The worst way. Tristan, um, can you throw your William F. Buckley voice to make people commit murders based on William yes, F. Buckley's? Yes, I can make it. I can make it a, a scene that it's coming out of your television. Welcome here, Fire and Line. My guess is we go of a doll. Say a slur, William yeah. F. Buckley. <laughs> I'm gonna try not to use that a colorful language on the show. Yeah. 
coming out of um, your phone right now. Coming yeah, out of your Spotify. Yeah. 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 Where is the voice of William F. Buckley coming from in my room? <laughs> I have to do a murder. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have to go do a segregation. I'm going to watch that documentary about how his... That's yeah. Best of Enemies. It's quite good. But your ventriloquists... I didn't know we were dealing in the presence of an actual ventriloquist. <laughs> <I guess so. Yeah. laughs> Both of us, we're not going to be intimidated. <laughs> but the first question is, how would people describe your act? A, as something that would make them want to do lots of murder. B, so racist that an article listing your racist puppets ranked the puppet of you as number one. A real thing about an actual ventriloquist. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> God, yeah. Yep. The See, worst. Yep. See, a fun-filled world of pure imagination that is incredibly boring to most people over the age of six. Murder. Or yeah. Murder. Or wait, there's there's an option D. Okay, okay, okay. No, okay. Sir, yeah. I am not pretending to be a ventriloquist for a fucking BuzzFeed quiz. Ooh, man, you really have thrown a wrench in my plans. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, and I want to be clear, I have not tried to be a ventriloquist since I was about eight years old, but having admitted <laughs> that at one point in my life I did, I feel like I'm stuck, in which case I think the the, the commit murder <laughs> one was probably the best option of the others. So. I mean, I think I still am going to go with A, just because like yeah. I do play with dolls with my yeah. kid, and so that is like a version of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well that the great great segue it doesn't great have to segue. be creepy i just i'm just saying like she's not a creepy person i'm anyway yeah no it's all it's all great it's that's good to do with a child uh, or an adult whatever tickles you i no judgments um question number two what's your favorite puppet a it is i who is the puppet and curiosity the hand up my ass moving my <laughs> mouth so that you think somebody else is moving their mouth B, one named Jose Jalapeno. It's real. Who is a pepper on a stick? It's very racist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a, I thought it was a... going to be funny vegetable stuff. No, I think no, this goes racist. with option B from the first question. Yeah. It's yeah. a uh, anti-Mexican stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, poop. Yeah. Yeah. Boo. C. Yeah. Boo. Um. C is a nice animal that's for sure giving a kid nightmares anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. Or D. Or D. What about this do you not understand? If I imagine myself manipulating a puppet in front of an audience, I will never be able to experience joy or function even semi-normally ever again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Like, I I can, I, I've done my penance. I can go with D now because, like, yeah, I, you know, I, there's a reason I stopped this when I was eight. And being a ventriloquist is a fine, uh, just a fine thing to aspire to when you are a small child, <laughs> not, not a grown ass adult. So, and D, D was I, the yeah. one that was racistly. Yes. Yeah. That's and yeah. A is yeah. what are A and C again? Just in miniature? A is, it's, it is in fact I who is the puppet and curiosity, the hand up my ass, moving my mouth so that you think yeah. someone else is moving their mouth. And, C is a nice animal that's giving some kids nightmares anyway. Oh, A. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. This is the final question. It's going to tell us everything. Where is your favorite place to perform? A, any clandestine location, but my gift is a curse and I shall never perform again. B, cool laid back place where everyone bitches about political correctness and shits their pants and cries about whatever God, starbucks is doing person sounds <laughs> awful <laughs> yeah yeah 
You'll never believe when I tell you who it is. C, I want to perform anywhere that can make people the happiest, spreading joy and understanding across the land. And I'm so nice that I make the theater dark so parents can nap. And D, fuck you. <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, D, obviously D. You know? I, <laughs> no, A. <laughs> My gift is, in okay. fact, oh, a yeah. curse. And yeah. you shall never perform again. So you're good. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't perform, damn it. I'm sitting <laughs> on my porch. I ventriloquize. Read my newspaper and talk about what the hell the neighbor's doing his yard wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but not through a puppet. No. Fuck no. Oh. No. Never through a puppet. Okay. Well, who's what do we got here? Um, Megan, you're you're a solid all the way through Whelan style ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Tristan, you are a non-ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. uh, which no is one... odd. Yeah. I mean, I, reti- I retired when I was eight. An no. ex-ventriloquist. And um, none of you, thankfully, are Jeff Dunham. Those were all, mm, aside yeah. from the location part, those are real thing. There's literally an article about Jeff Dunham that ranks his puppets by how racist they are. And his is number one. Yeah, That's more bit. racist than the chili pepper. Yeah, and, and that one is not that was the one I felt comfortable okay. saying. Jesus. Like the title, yeah. the name of the puppet felt comfortable <sighs> yeah. as opposed to some of them which are not. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. I've never seen him and I feel that I have had enough. Yeah. I had no I, fucking idea how batshit <laughs> his puppetry was. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Psychotic. Yeah. That's terrible. Um Megan, as as the wheel and style ventriloquist, that means you hang out with Frank Reynolds on the regular. Oh, yeah. I mean, under, under the bridge. Under the bridge, <laughs> wearing my um, uh, long john bottoms. Yes. <laughs> yes. Huffy Elmer's glue. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's the best. This book fucking rips. To you listening. If you haven't read it, we could not recommend it more highly. Yeah, it's no. yeah, it's fantastic. Few but, books yeah. that we have ever read did I yeah. feel like oh, on second reading, just as good. Okay, this has been better than dead. You can find me on Twitter at Telsorsaurus, Tristan at TJ Schweiger, Katie at Katie Crywo. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Better Red Pod and email us at betterredpodcast at gmail.com. After you read this to tell us how much you loved it. It's so good. Our intro music is Love Bronstein by the Redskins, used with their permission. Our logo was created by Jane Bonsack of JB Design and Content. Rate and review and subscribe. Next week, we have our season four wrap-up. And then we're back in the fall, of course, season five. We're doing Matigue, Pierre, Big Boy, um, Dorian Gray, Stephen fucking King, and much more. So thanks, comrades. With that beat up guitar, you and I will ride away from the town that rocked the nation in the Delphia, PA. And I may leave this place tomorrow, but my soul is here to stay.